Welcome to a Black Man Sketch, episode 18. My name is Otis Zanders, the CEO of the Jungle Police. The world remains on edge, questioning whether the current justice system can achieve justice for George Floyd by convicting the police officers responsible for his death. The inequalities that have existed for black people in the United States for over 400 years, reaching a boiling point in the wake of the killing of George Floyd. The world witnessed Mr. Floyd plead for his life, while Minneapolis police officers, Officer George Chauvin, pressed his knee into Mr. Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. Mr. Floyd's death made the world stop and take a serious look at racial injustice in this country and the current need for criminal justice and police reform. An estimated 15 to 26 million protesters took to the streets to proclaim that black lives matter, making it the largest civil rights movement in history. The world remains on edge, questioning whether the current justice system can achieve justice for George Floyd by convicting the police officers responsible for his death. Today, I'm here with two Ujama men, Mr. Cedric Smith and Melvin Holmes, to give you a black man's perspective on this week's procedure. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Honored to be here. Thank you for taking time out to join us this morning. Um, a little bit about each of you. Um, uh, Cedric, let me start with you. Yes, sir. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, um, and um, how you arrived this morning with me at Ujama Place. Okay, a little bit of a long story, but I'll shorten it up for you. Um, I'm 24 years old. I was originally born in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I relocated to Minnesota. Well, kind of bounced back and forth, but stayed here permanently, probably in like the junior high, eighth or ninth grade. Um, my experiences growing up with the police have always been traumatic, uh, even in the slightest way. And me maturing, I realized how even the slightest interactions with the police have affected me. And I haven't been able to find any positive, um, how do I word it, effects, should I say? But I'm a normal kid, went to high school, uh, dropped out, sad to say, uh, my junior year, uh, just getting involved with the wrong stuff, kind of falling off into the street crowd. Um, other than that, uh, regular kid, man. Right I got a baby on the way. Okay, yeah. congratulations. Brother, son. Right on. Yes, sir. Good enough. Thank you. Melvin. Uh, yeah, my name is Melvin. Uh, I grew up. I was born in Chicago. I came up here when I was 10. I'm 29 years old right now. Uh, since I came up here, though, I've been in St. Paul. Uh, grew up right up here in St. Paul, so. Um, yeah, I, I they had this, a lot of bad experience with the police, too, but uh, stay out their way. That's all I was going to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say nothing to me. I don't say nothing to them. I'm trying to keep my distance, man. But, uh, hey, uh. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get into the topic, though. Man. I feel real strong about this. Good enough, good yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I noticed that both of you guys are in Ujama's JAG program, relationship we have with Ramsey County Corrections. We have with us also uh, Ujama coach Danielle Baker, who coordinates that program. Danielle, uh, very briefly, uh, what is JAG and, and what it does for these young brothers that's returning home? Uh, first off, thank you for the invitation to be involved here in this process. Um, the JAG program is a, f uh, a funded program that uh, assists brothers coming out of incarceration, uh, returning back into the community um, that they uh, committed their crime. Uh, they also get opportunities to uh, 
at all areas to just to stay out here to knock down barriers. We're, we're helping with uh, financially with uh, knocking down driver fines and fees so they can uh, reobtain their license and uh, helping guys with uh, down payments for apartments, school opportunities, work clothes, work equipment. Uh, all those things that uh, some of these guys are motivated, skilled in certification and welding and, and labor work and all that stuff, but also need assistance with getting the materials to, to work through that process. So, Thank you. Absolutely. I noticed both uh, Cedric and Melvin, they enrolled in New Jama um, in June of 1920, just right after Mr. Floyd's death. I'd like for now to play uh, a little video for us to... Um, just to reflect back on on our, why we are here this morning. At this time, I'd like to, to play this tape so we can listen to it, then we'll get into the discussion. God! Ah! Yeah, 50. Oh, that's what You circle okay. like in a jiu-jitsu move, bro. You try, you trapped him. He's breathing right there, bro. Okay. Like you don't think that what it is, bro? You don't think nobody understands that? 
right there, bro. I trained at the academy, bro. That's some bullshit. Oh, yeah. okay. Right, that's bullshit, to... bro. Uh, that's bullshit, bro. Please. You, you <laughs> stopping his breathing right there, bro. Yeah, can't breathe. Okay, he's talking. He's talking. Bro, but you can get him off the ground. You've been a bum right now. You can get him off the ground, bro. You can get him off the ground. You've been a bum right now. He enjoying that. He enjoying that. He enjoying that. Bum, bro. He enjoying that right now, bro. You could have put him in the car by now, bro. He's not resisting arrest or nothing. You enjoying it? Look at you. Your body language explains it. You bum. Bro, get the off of him. It's the whites. They love what? him. No, I already know that, bro. I trained with half of these bum ass dudes at the academy, bro. You know that's bogus right now, bro. You know it's bogus. You can't even look at me like a man because you a bum, bro. He's not even resisting arrest right now, bro. His nose is bleeding. You stopping his breathing right now, bro. You think that's cool? You think that's, that's cool, really though, not. right? What's your, right. what's your, oh, what, oh, man, what's your badge number, bro? You think Honestly. that's cool right now, bro? You think that's cool, though, bro? You're a bum, bro. You're, you're a bum for that. You're a bum for that, bro. You can't, you getting mad. You just sitting there stopping his breathing right Look now. Look at him. About to go out, bro. Look at bro. him. Get off of him now! What the? He got mace. He got mace. He cannot breathe. Get over here! No, first of all. Look at him. He's not responsive right now. He's not responsive right now, bro. No, bro, look at him. He's check, not responsive right yeah, now, bro. Check for a pulse. Bro, are you serious? Check you gonna just let him sit here with that on let his neck, bro? Let me see a pulse. Is he breathing right, right now? Up. Check his Hello, pulse. Have this check his pulse. Okay. Check his pulse, Tao. Tao, check his pulse. Tao, check his pulse, bro. Bro, check his pulse, bro. You bogus, bro. You bogus. Don't do drugs, bro. What is that? What do you think that is? You so you call what he doing okay? Get back on the You call what he doing okay? You call, you call what you do, you call what he doing okay, bro? Bro, bro, you, 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 you call, you think that's okay? Check his pulse. Check his right now. Check his pulse. Get back in the Check. The man ain't moved yet, bro. The man ain't moved yet, bro. Okay. Bro, okay. you're a bum, bro. Okay. You're a bum, bro. You're Check definitely right a bum, now. bro. Tell me what his pulse is right now. Check the pulse. Bro, he has not moved, not one he's time. He's off, he's off track right now. He's but it, bro, go deep. back in the store, bro. You don't understand. No, no, no. Bro. I'm the reason. Under, okay, that's cool. Go back in the store, bro. Go back in the store, bro. He's not I see that. Bro, I'm, bro. I'm, I'm trying to help y'all out. Bro, you don't need to help What's me out, bro. Man? I know your parents. I know everybody that owns the store. You don't need to help me out, bro. He's not moving right now, bro. I just saw that, man. Bro, he was just moving I'm, when I walked up here. And I know, and then that he, he they, bro, they did that to you him. Just get out, you just get back out here, bro. I've been watching it the bro, whole time. You just get back out here, bro. Bro, he doesn't have a bro. He's not moving. No, did they kill him, bro? Bro, bro. What is you, 1087, bro? You're a bum, bro. 987, bro. You're a bum. First thing you want to grab is your mace, cause you scared, bro. Scared of minorities, you bum, bro. Like, bro, three minutes, bro. He's not moving. Bro, he's not even moving. Get off of his neck, bro.
Get off of his neck! Are you serious? Bro, are you serious? And you gonna keep your you gonna keep you gonna keep your your thing on your neck? Yeah, bitch. Bro, it's Bro, I barely touched me like that, dude. I swear I saw the fuck out of both y'all. I didn't want to call the ambulance. Bro, you just gonna let him keep his hand on his neck, bro? You're a bitch, bro. Tao, you gonna keep you gonna let him keep that like that? You gonna let him kill that man in front of you, bro? Huh? Huh? Like Bro, he's not even right now, bro. This is what it is. We got to deal with this bro. shit. Bro, they're not going to help us, bro. Right. He black. They don't care. If it ain't they people, they don't care, bro. You going to just sit there with your knee on his neck, bro. You a bro. You a bro. You a real man for that, bro. He ain't handcuffed, bro. Look at him. You a real man, bro. You a real man, bro. I trained for you. The fact that you guys are checking his clothes and doing compressions if he needs that, you guys are on and up. Oh my and god, bro. Then he just okay. They just dragging like him like, come yeah, on now. And I don't have your name tag. Mr. Floyd State, I can't breathe for, oh, I think it was 27 times. Um, it's hard to um, listen to that. Melvin, um, just give us your reaction to. Listen to the um, audio recording again. Oh man, that was just horrible, man. When, when somebody, I, I, I've been in that position before when they put that feet on that neck like that, man. Like that, that's not something good, especially when he telling you I can't breathe. I'm claustrophobic. Like he telling you what the what, what the problem is. I, I feel like, man, it's, 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 I'm not the perfect person. He might not want the perfect person, you know, but. He telling you what's going on, and they don't listen to nothing that you say. And it's, it's messed up that we gotta, we, we think like that. Like we, we already on guard when we get pulled over, when we go through stuff like this. They, they it's like a lesson they trying to. I feel like it's a lesson they trying to do with you, man. Like trying to teach you a lesson or authority, like put you in order. I feel like I, I didn't been in that position, incarceration, mm -hmm. and being free. It's just horrible, man. Yeah. Uh, it's just extremely rough for me to just hear the audio by itself and not even see it. Even more so just because um, I feel that like, when George Floyd was saying that he couldn't breathe, he's echoing all of us, whether you're a criminal, a mom, a dad, you know, if you're brown, you feel like that in this country. And, you know, the fact that all these people, they were bystanders and they were able to witness that. And they were able to witness the same people who, if, you know, you educated enough, which, you know, most people are. You understand that the police every day, they're supposed to be a representation of the justice system or, you know what I'm saying, they're supposed to be something that I'm supposed to feel comfortable around, but I never have. And I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like like him, yeah. even though I'm alive, you know, not in a blasphemous way or anything like that. I just feel like in this country, it's hard for me to breathe. Yeah. You know, from this trial, from the very beginning, uh, we had a new number given to us, nine minutes and 36 seconds. That's a long time, my brother, mm -hmm. nine minutes. Um, was that excessive? 
Like there it was there was too much. It was nine minutes, that's that's a lot, man. Nine minutes. And and, and it was real interesting to me about when the when the when the when the police got out there and said it too. Like it, it, he was too aggressive, like and then them they using words that I I don't know, I had to look up sometimes, but it's <laughs> it was too much, man. Yes. And the police got up there and said it. That the the, the, the the lady who was there, she got up there and said it and it was, it was when when they top when they when they hit that topic, I'm like, man, about, about time. Yes. They getting up there, they going. They, they even said they going against they they they, they color. This yes. this is the Minnesota Minneapolis police. They going against each other. That's that's what I want to see. Yes, that's that's exactly what I want to see. When they said that, I, I was like, about time somebody said it. when they was gonna mention it. Y'all can right. talk about how bad this man is doing and all this, but start bringing up points like this. Yes. And then just my perspective on it, for me, it's just beautiful to be able because I'm not infatuated by it or anything like that, but I've been in court a lot of times, you know, for other people or myself. So I, I'm a little familiar with how it works. I've actually been bold enough to try to speak for myself and how the judge tell me shut up, all type of stuff. So to just see how this is unfolding and just to speak on how the police officers are speaking out, I believe that they have to. I believe that they have to because... To be silent is is to be, um, what's the word? Complicit, or yes. you know, yes, their silence would would speak volumes not to us as a people. Um, what Minneapolis police stands for? Absolutely. And their silence re-traumatizes. Mm. Re-traumatizes the black community. And even sometimes when we're talking about that trauma, um, I don't think people realize that even the young eighteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old black male walking down the street and hear the police car creep upon them. Trauma begins. Uh, trauma is so evident uh, in the black community, and I think that's uh, not on everyone's radar. Uh, I believe people look at it as an acute trauma when it's not acute, not short-lived. This is persistent trauma yes. that the black community has been experiencing. And just touching on that, and I know I got a little excited because I know Melvin relates. I know any other youth, if you're of any type of color, you relate to just. If you watch how they're painting this, it's kind of like maybe the younger officers had interaction with um, Mr. Floyd before Chauvin got there. And we all know how this goes. You get pulled over, uh, the first car gets there, they don't really know what to do, or they make that call and a commanding officer or somebody, you know, with more years on the force than them shows up and they want to show a little bit of force. Like how they're pointing this. Just every day in the streets, we see this. Yes. You get pulled over, here come some more cars. The senior officer there is going to take, he going to take control. And whatever way he want to go with it, they all going. Yes. So I feel like he going to jail, they should all be going. <laughs> As we stated, um, both you gentlemen in our return home program. So really, what we see this trial is, is the criminal justice system on trial. Do you think that justice can be served for George Floyd based on the criminal justice system that you're familiar with? Not just from the police, but also the, the corrections piece. Absolutely. I believe even for just in my experience, you know, I'm not, as Melvin said, I'm not an all-the-way real-rounded person. I have downfalls and make mistakes, but I've in, in Illinois, I've sat front row in murder trials, and in Minnesota, I've sat in, in murder trials. And just being familiar with that atmosphere, I know that it's real minimal that you're able to like expose things about the victim because they're not able to defend themselves. And what has been three days? Yes. And I feel like he on, like George Floyd's on trial. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't feel like justice is being served to this point. No, but I don't know. I can't say yes because I mean we live in America, yes. and the track record says no. So I hope so. It's obvious that the um, defense is trying to portray the picture of the angry black man, this black man that's that's uh, on drugs and has a prior felony, uh, which makes him a convict. Uh, this this portrayal, how does it make you feel? You've seen the world has witnessed this man's murder, but you have a defense that's that's portraying you, Melvin. He's describing you that is justified because you, as a black man that has a past, it's okay. Yeah, I, I feel that, that that's horrible, man. It, it don't matter what I'm going through or what I'm doing. We all got, we all go through stuff, man. Everybody got problems, man. He on drugs. He not only it, it shouldn't matter. It, it, it really shouldn't matter, man. Your background, they they they, they looking at they they putting this picture of this man as a of this person, not knowing his kids got to look at this, his family looking at this. They all going through it, looking at this how they portray him. It don't matter. My my dad do drugs. You know, and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. We we you know been through our struggles, man. You can't just judge a person off that. Yes, we always talk, Cedric, about <clears throat> over policing. Mm -hmm. We feel that our community, just being black, you're being over policed. You're being suspicious just for driving. Mm -hmm. A lot of my men, um, we want to get a driver license because they don't want to drive. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been stopped by the police? Absolutely. Uh, I can't tell you a ballpark number of the times that I've had interactions with the police when they've stopped me, whether that's been on foot, on bicycle, <laughs> on in a car, just walk up to me on my porch, anything. So I just feel like the yes. justice system is not beneficial to people of color for whatever reason. And as you guys touched on, they consistently bring up his drug use or whatever, but I think it's inconsistent in this country because when people are white and they suffer from drug issues, they get some type of rehab or treatment and all their sins are forgiven by the world. But they painted a picture that because this man, if he was high, yes. that he deserved to die, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't believe that to be so. Mm -hmm. Melvin, uh, some of your interactions with law enforcement, did it, did it actually uh, interfere with your way of life? Did it impact your life at all? Yes, it really has. It impacts me a lot. I know when I get pulled over, I put my, both my hands on the front seat. And I be stiff. I be nervous. When they get behind me, I'm nervous. And I'm training my kids to, to, to be the same way. And it's messed up, but I got to do it like that. But I got to do it like that. Mm -hmm. Because of the stuff that we're going through right now. But I'm nervous every time they get behind me. They look at me, I get nervous, man. And if I could touch on that, it's just... I was just, because I just found out that I'm having a son. And I just don't even know to begin how to even explain these type of things to him. Don't know the type of age he'll be exposed. I know he's going to get exposed to it early, because for whatever reason, it seems like this climate has gotten hotter for racial injustice and not the opposite. But, uh, yeah, I feel the same way. I second that. The police, if they when they talk to me, I don't think it's never... For a good reason. I'm trying to find what they want or what they're about to do to me. I'm trying to get away from them. I would even add, um, just as a, a person that's a professional considered uh, working in all that as an African-American man, 
and male, um, there's certain times of the week, there's certain times of the day that I'd prefer not to be out, even not doing anything wrong, going to pick up my kids, anything, um, because of my fear of those interactions. Because there's nothing in the computer system that says uh, I'm legit. Uh, to them, I'm a five foot ten black male, um, and that's all they seem to respond from. So. And even then, just to give another little touch on point, just even looking up in front of me, they're not able to see, but I'm looking at portraits of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And it's like, even when you're successful in this country, or mm. when you're trying to do, do the positive thing as a black man, and you're not, you know what I'm saying? And they still die. <laughs> they continue to portray us as a walking threat. Yes. And all of this for twenty dollars for a bad twenty dollar bill. That's the price of a black man's life. Well, well, yeah, that's uh, that's deep. That's um, that's really telling. So all of the stereotypical things come out. So that's why this trial is just not a Minneapolis or Minnesota story. Mm -hmm. It's not a United States story. I think as we talked about in the prologue. Uh, people around the world protest because they saw injustice on trial here. I found it interesting, one defense statement was that um, that uh, Officer Chauvin was rattled by the crowd, that uh, he lost track of time because people were yelling at him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what do you think about that defense? Man, that's horrible. How can you lose track of time, man? That's authority issue again. I mean, trying to prove a point. It's a nine minutes. It's a long time for to forget something, man. It's a psychological. For me, that I look at that as psychological. Because what are you? Why are these people? Why are you so afraid of these people? Don't you police this neighborhood? Aren't you supposed to be familiar? You're supposed to know them by name. In my opinion, you police this neighborhood, and you have you're a veteran for a, a teen amount of years. So the fact that you don't even know these people by name speaks volumes. And yes. the fact that you're so afraid of them that you lost competency of time speaks more to the fact. Mm. Yeah, we had some really uh, idea of what was happening because we was fortunate to have a, a recording. And it makes you think about so many incidents that have taken place over time that there was not a recorded history. And, uh, this story would not have been blasted out. So we're very fortunate that we know that we're doing something for our ancestors now. We're standing on their shoulders now to display this. That's what's going on here. So we're talking about uh, in the light of what's next steps. Mm. How do you see, how can justice be served here? What could be an, an outcome that we need to um, look on as a building block? Um, if I could speak. Uh, just to this for a second, I might drift just because I, I think about this all the time. I kind of got suggestions for the Minneapolis Police Department, everything. Just I feel like, all right, even if this man was on drugs, I feel like police need to have other specialists on site that could come handle people who are maybe a little belligerent or whatever because police do have interactions with people who are drunk, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And if these officers who patrol the street are not properly equipped to deal with people like that, then they should be able to call someone who is. Because then, at, at that point, when you don't have that, then you're towing the line of someone losing their life. I mean, plain and simple, we see it every day. Yes. And I just feel like 
Um, these police, especially when you got officers who've been veterans on the force for almost 20 years, these people should know these people in these communities. Whether that's by fundraiser efforts or whatever, they should be talking to these to this youth. You know, they should be. If you're gonna police me, how could you? How could I trust you to protect me if you don't know me? Or just like a lot of instances where black brothers are shot by the police, you know, I try to be well-rounded even though I still know it's wrong. I try to imagine, well, he might feel some type of fear. Scared people do some weird things sometimes. But still, I just feel like if, if a police officer knows or has some type of interaction before a stop with someone, then they're less likely to do some harm to them. Just like I've been, like I played basketball in high school in mm -hmm. Minnesota, actually in Osseo. And just a side step that I, it affects me all the time. I just remember, like, all those police officers out there, they know those kids. Like, I've been pulled over out there in the car with another student, and they come to the car, oh, James, like, why are you not, in, like, and for me, it's like, I'm telling the officer, like, I, I don't care what you do, search the car, I just want to go home. Like, however this ends, I just want to go home. I'm not saying that to agitate you. And it's, it's crazy because we laugh at it as black people. And, you know, it is funny. Like, I laugh about it with my dad. But to be honest, like, it's hurtful now because I got a, a son on the way. And that's something that I got to explain or deal with or look at from a younger perspective. So mm -hmm. uh, if I could speak, I also think in regards to that fear. Um, I think for far too long we've allowed <coughs> law enforcement to use this Trump card in their back pocket called I was in fear of my life uh, in order to draw a weapon on young African-American men, um, which is just, it's, it's more of an authority issue than anything else. Yes. Uh, they could easily, not just based on what people were barking and yelling at Chauvin and them for, they could easily sat George Floyd on that curb yes. and had four police officers stand around him. That's all they had to do because he was cuffed. He was not going to do anything yes. else. They could have sat him and let him breathe right there, yes. sit up, and came up with multiple plans yes. and ideas to address that. Yes. So that need for addressing through training and this, this need for authority. Some people love authority and some people honor authority. Right. And, uh, unfortunately, right now, we're dealing with a lot of law enforcement that love authority. Absolutely. And the message is detrimental. And one last thing I do want to say is, in regards to your last question about the criminal justice system being on trial, I, I do believe that. I think sometimes we forget that every showing of the video, every showing of Chauvin to Philando Castro, the black community, the black male is being re-traumatized. Mm. Mm. And if this doesn't come out the way it's supposed to be, America's re-traumatizing mm -hmm. every young black male has ever experienced. Absolutely. Daniela, I had a friend from Texas call me last night, and uh, he was making note of how the, um, the law enforcement personnel, how they, his words, have, they spoke their truth. In our history, we've known that law enforcement have had this, this way of protecting their own, this blue veil, as they may. Uh, what's your comments on the... Um, on the veterans and as well as active police people that have spoke their truth, they've, uh, that have not tried to camouflage what we see with our eyes? Um, a, it's a blessing, uh, but I think the real truth is it's something they couldn't ignore. Uh, what we all saw, what the world saw, was a murder on camera. 
with people warning that the murder was occurring, like the, they watched a slow murder. Yes. Yes. No one can tell. severely beaten down with no with no repercussion for the, the the officers involved. A lot of those officers that was involved in that beat down got promotions. No one got fired. Talk to about that feeling of if any kind of exoneration take place, right, in this case. I just hope it, it, it'd be a different outcome. Uh, it's a weird and uh, a new generation on the world. More people, we were getting together. We, it, it was strong then, but it's strong, even stronger now, I feel like. Man. With all like blacks, whites, Mexicans, everybody's getting together on uh, this situation. I just, I just really hope it'd be an outcome, man. Like, I, I just sit back and watch it and, and pray. I, I just, I don't know. I just. Yes. Come in, Cedric. To be honest, I got a lot of trepidation on the outcome, to be honest. I think we were talking about it earlier. I'm one of the people who want to see all, all of the officers uh, go to jail. I'm not one of the people who are going to be satisfied if Chauvin just gets convicted because I, I know for a fact that if all of us right now, if I y'all don't even got to know, if y'all get in my car and I go commit a crime, we all going to jail. Yes. So, you know, I don't feel like it should be a different, you know, the veil over it because they are police officers, but... Just another side note that I feel is important to speak on to this. I think it is important that those officers spoke their truth. And I feel like it, it, this may begin something that needs to happen. I just feel, believe it's not a black or a white thing. Yes, and I'm I a agree. black man. I believe, but I believe that in a way just policing in America systematically represents racism. Yes. And that's not a black or a white thing because there could be racist black people. Absolutely. I just believe that hopefully if there, there is convictions and when they do, Come, they're not just convictions and everybody's satisfied. I hope that the community use these convictions to further push our issue. You know, Absolutely. It's, real, it's real clear that um, even including myself, we've lost faith in the criminal justice system. Not just recent. This is generation after generation after generation. I've even got to the point where I thought, yeah, they've already come to the conclusion that they can count uh, he's worth the sacrifice. We'll give Chavin everything he got coming. Like the system can sacrifice him to appease everybody else. I was born in 96, just a side note, so I don't think I was born Riding with faith in, in the justice system. Oh, yeah. Like, if I was with the generation <laughs> where we didn't have no faith, we didn't start with none. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yes. But it's definitely a big indictment that I am. And what we're saying right now is, I think at the end of the day, what we like to know is that we can hold each other accountable. That uh, when there's an act of injustice take place, let's take action on that. Mm -hmm. And then we can look saying that maybe it's not a total indictment on the whole system, but that we have bad individuals. Mm -hmm. And when those bad individuals are there, they need to be addressed and removed, mm -hmm. like any workplace. Even at any workplace that has employees that don't fit into the mission or the vision, that deviate. And we see a strong deviation. And what is taking place with the policing in this country, the deviation has become a norm. That it's been 
shielded, as Daniel said before, behind the, the feelings. So they've been given a pretty much of a license to act unfiltered. So I'm hoping that when we talk about this justice, that we can go in and talk about a way that that we can hold each other accountable and they earn our respect again in a system that was existing before you, mm-hmm. before him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I even really believe um, that's our role here at Ujama Place uh, is to help with stabilization of young brothers' lives, helping them how to interact and deal with their community, with the people in the community, the systems in the community. Uh, that's what Ujama takes pride in. You know, I can just give a side note on that. I deal with Dar- Darnell's my coach at Ujama. And mm-hmm. Since I've been home, uh, just Speaking my truth, my testimony, I've had some kind of things that are altered, you know, but they stuck with me, you know, they worked it out with me, and now I work two jobs, graduated school, and I feel like a lot of the resources, a lot of the success, actually, that I've had wouldn't be have been possible without a program as such, just because I have been released before without that support, and it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder, so. They need to have more programs like this, man. It really helped me out, too, coming home from prison. Uh, a real lot. But that does. But the people around you and everything that you're going through, it's, like, it's kind of like they understand, you know? Yes. Uh, it's a real blessing. As all the time, you, know, you did your time. You deserve to be out here. Yes. Jama wants to walk with you until you release, create some separation. Yeah, uh, absolutely. the justice system. That's what we're about. Right. I won't even be here today. This, this ain't this ain't my atmosphere right here. This ain't me, man. Like, you jump, man. I owe so much to them, man. I gotta whatever I got, I'm gonna give, man. And I'm over here. I'm gonna do this every time y'all need me to do it. That's why I'm here. Yeah, and that's appreciated, Melvin. Yeah. That, that was for sure. Melvin did share that last week when I gave him his. his uh, he got his voting rights papers back. Damn! Congratulations. And we're going to need you, brother, because yes. Trump said he's coming back. So oh, no. we, got, we, got to, we need every brother's vote because we can't have this brother come back. Yeah. <laughs> he no. said no, he's no. coming back. So every brother can get our parole. We need you. Yeah. Absolutely. Need you. The defense of this, this drug-addicted <clears throat> black man that has a felony past, that's the same picture that, that we feel that the employment community sees. That they, when you try to go rent or buy a house, that's what they see too. They don't see Cedric. They don't see Melvin. They see this black man with a criminal that he's a felony. He's uh, he's most likely too. So uh, with that being on trial, what can lessons can we take from from just the testimonies of the affirmation that it was too much pressure, that you know that 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 man could be alive today, uh, that was excessive. And if we can use that to, to catapult that into the vision of looking at employment, you see it now that I'm, I can deal with 19, but what I can do with $20 an hour, Mr. Employer. Mm-hmm. And so can we actually get to the point that they can see your worth as we do, that beyond the knee on the neck? Mm-hmm. Any comments on that? Um, yeah, I just feel like I mean, rightfully so. Like they, like they say, when we go to prison, we, we pay our debt to society. We all know that that's partially true. You still come home and face obstacles, which if you properly prepared, I believe you expect those. Um, I had over 10 interviews at first to get my first job. I think six or seven to get my second job. So it was like 
a couple team to get these jobs, but I just feel like um, a person who has a record should be able to speak to the testament of uh, I committed this crime, but I'm also, you know, certified in this, or I have committed this program, or you know, this person can speak to my character. I believe that um, we we write our names on applications, right? But I believe that if there's ink in the criminal part, yes. then our names don't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah I feel like this is, they gonna always look at me as a picture, man. Like, they gonna always judge me until you really know Melvin, you ain't gonna understand Melvin, man. They gonna look at me and see some my background and everything. I, I, I came to a point, I just gotta keep on moving forward, just, 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 just getting my kids prepared for, for the things that I've been through and, and try to show them a different way. Uh, what's going on in life being black, being mixed, and you gotta be prepared, man. They gonna always paint a picture of me. They gonna always look at me, and they always gonna say something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, 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 I can live with that, but it is what it is. I'm just gonna keep moving forward. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know, gentlemen, I just want to say that uh, I think you put a, a great face not only your Gemma program and uh, our relationship with Ramsey County Correction. But uh, also about about uh, the life of a black man. That's uh, the, the real issues. I know Donnell and I talk about our own fears. You know uh, how we keep our travel license registration card available, and how we have to talk to you guys about how to just to how to um, just to take care of yourself. And that is sometimes it's compromise for a young man born in 1996. How we try to teach you to be a proud black man, and but also how to acquiesce how to stay alive. And uh, so it's a conflict that we need to continue to um, get justice for. That's the overhaul. We should not be fear of a system that's designed to protect us and serve us. So I think um, this, your testimonies here, put a face on, on the, the George Floyds of our world, that we all have existed with a knee on our neck. So uh, I want to thank both of you guys for coming in this morning. No problem. Uh, we will look uh, with great interest uh, as this month unfolds, and as the uh, as Minnesota, the United States, and the world look at Minnesota and uh, see can we get justice for George Floyd, Amen. my brothers. Thank you.